The When Dating Hurts podcast is rated one of the most popular relationships podcasts in the world. Why is that? It's our guests. Whether you're listening to subject matter experts or domestic violence survivors, you know you're hearing what you need to know. And that is the truth about dating and domestic violence. Why it happens, how it happens, when it happens, where it happens, and how victims become survivors. This podcast is a powerful way for you, your friends, and your family to stay informed and stay safe. Thank you for your support. This is Barbara Walker's story, part two of three parts. It comes with warnings about its content, which can be both disturbing and triggering. We will pick up where we left off from part one. Do you think it goes bigger than his mother? Do you think it's his relationship to women? I do. And again, with things that I found out later on, absolutely. He has some kind of problem, a deep-seated problem with women. Okay. Yeah, I kind of felt that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. When his mother passed away, his father wanted to go ahead and relocate north of the state where he was from and all of his family. And what state was that? Florida. We were in Florida and his father wanted to relocate back to Jacksonville. Okay. Where all well, like his siblings, his mother, he had kind of distanced himself a little bit from his family when he moved down south. You know, just with the, the space, they would do family get-togethers, little reunions once or twice a year, and he would go for that. But with his wife having passed away and his mourning of her, he wanted to be back in the fold of his family, his brothers, his sister, cousins, his mother, everybody was in Jacksonville. So he slowly, you know, he would come up and visit, but the visits became longer and he decided, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and remodel my house that I have in Miami. I'm going to remodel it and I'm going to go ahead and put it up for sale and then just go ahead and permanently relocate. That took a little while to do the remodeling and he would come and visit and everything like that. But it was different. It was the first time we didn't have a strong support system around us. It was literally just us. Mm-hmm. And we were, you know, we were making, we were in one of those in-betweens, you know, so it was a day to day. There were no big issues, no big blowups, nothing like that. After his father sold his house, he came to us and it was probably about the spring of 2019. And he says, look, he goes, I love my grandchildren and I have missed so much being a part of their daily lives. Is there any possibility that you would consider relocating up north? Oh, interesting. He said, I've been talking with my brother and we have land. We're thinking about if you'd be interested we could have a house built. Mm-hmm. We would all work together to design it and everything, but have a house built up there for you. Would you consider moving up there? And he looked at his father and he says, you know, over all the years, for everything you've done for me growing up with my kids, with everything, you've never asked for anything in return. So he says, as far as I'm concerned, It's definitely a move we can make. I think that's the most compassion I've ever seen from my husband was when he answered him. And that's why it stuck out so much in my head. 
because he said, you have never asked for anything. And if this is the one thing that will bring you happiness, then I don't see why not. Me, I'm on board. I was ready to get out of Miami for a you know, long time, like just too overcrowded, too, you know, just everything. So I'm excited. Okay. We don't have any support system down in Miami. I'm good with, you know, with my father-in-law's family. We'd, we'd been going to reunions. My kids were playing with all of their kids. I mean, it was awesome. It was great. I was like, yeah, we can make this work. That'd be great to have a good support system around us again. So we actually started designing the house. We have plans and everything, like full architectural plans and everything for this house. And then COVID hits. Oh, yes. Yes. In March of 2020. Yeah. Was my restaurant shut down. Oh, wow. And it was under the, I had just been promoted to general manager. I was on making a great salary. Plus I was still bartending a couple of nights, you know, so we were, he had actually just started working in February of 2020. He got an amazing job opportunity with the elevator union. He had applied back in October, November of the previous year. Of course, things take a couple of months. They go through everything. And he got a job hired by the elevator union, which was great. Is that Jacksonville or is that uh, Miami? We are still in Miami at this point. Could he take that anywhere? So the offer was initially for Miami. This is before COVID. But one of the things you can do is transfer. Anywhere, because you're part of the union, they work with companies. You know, the union is based all over the United States. Sure, that's what I was saying. So, you know, you could go to New York, you could go wherever, but as long as they have openings for you to transfer into. Yes. So he got that job. COVID hits, my restaurant shuts down, and we're sitting here going, okay, he's still working, though. They were still able to do, because elevators don't just stop working. So the elevator was one of those jobs that just stuck around Mm -hmm. and they were paying like it was a really good time even though i wasn't working it was a really good time for us financially with it being such a good time for us financially he and i sat down and talked and he says you know i'm really seeing the benefit of you being able to stay home with the kids full time i'm really seeing how this picture looks of you staying at home Well, with my restaurant being unsure, because now they were supposed to reopen, I believe it was July or August of 2020, once everybody kind of got the go ahead, you know, and everything like that. Well, they had just pushed back and says, we're not sure yet when we're going to reopen. We have to look at a bunch of things. So they pushed back the opening. So now I'm still unsure, you know, and I had been with, with this company long enough now, this restaurant, that I had the schedule that worked best for us. Everything was in line for this restaurant for me to work at. Starting someplace new means I would have to go with a completely different schedule, you know, and then not having the support system around and things like that. So I said, you know what? I'm on board. If we can financially do it, I'm okay being the stay-at-home parent and doing that, you know, and just really making the focus just the house and the kids. Basically, I was doing the same thing I was doing the whole time without the pressure of having to go to work on top of it. Sure. Makes a lot of sense. In September, when my restaurant did not reopen and we were having this discussion about me staying at home full time, his father approached us again and says, look, we've kind of run into a problem as far as building the house. Supplies are outrageous. The cost of wood 
was going up, just even finding contractors, everything, because we were just coming out of COVID. He's like, I know we had a time frame we were looking at. He goes, it's just not realistic. He goes, if we were to find a house up there, would you still consider moving? And of course the answer was still yes, you know, because we knew Austin had to be with the elevator union, had to be employed for a year before he could officially join the union. Once he joined the union after the one year mark, then he could look at transfers, but he wanted to make sure he was a full member of the union before putting it out there and saying, hey, you know, I'd like to transfer to Jacksonville. So we knew we were more than halfway there, you know, so it was just realistic to go with the times. I mean, building the house wasn't going to work. That was a disappointment, but our plan was still to come up here. His father said, I will go ahead because he had sold his house in Miami. He said, I will go ahead. You guys find a house that you like in a realistic budget. I will purchase the house so that you have someplace to move and not trying to sell your house and move all at the same time with the kids and everything. I will purchase the house. You will go ahead and move. You will put your house up for sale. And then when your house sells, then we can work out buying the house back from me. We're like, well, yeah, that works. Okay. You know, we figured the market, the, the housing market we had started going a little crazy. Houses were selling for quite a bit and they were selling pretty fast. Our plan, and I, you know, I emphasize that because you'll hear later on in the story, his version changes. Mm. But our plan when we sat down was that the kids and I would go up to the new house in Jacksonville, put our house down in Miami up for sale. He would continue to live in the house in Miami until it's sold. And by that time, hopefully he would be in a position to do the, the transfer request. Mm-hmm. If he was still unable, like if it sold that quickly and he was not able to have time yet, then he would go ahead and rent an efficiency or an apartment until he was able to get his transfer. And as soon as a transfer came up, then he would transfer to Jacksonville and we would be fully relocated. The time frame for this was no more than six months to a year, max. Mm-hmm. So we did it. I packed up the whole house. I went through everything. I hired a moving company. And January 1st of 2021, he drove up here with the kids to the house in Jacksonville while I stayed in Miami to help the movers. And we relocated up to Jacksonville. So he is now living in our house down in Miami. It's now officially on the market. We've had a couple of offers that have fallen through. It happens. We don't know how long it's going to take to actually sell the house, but you know, we got a good price on it. We're looking at making some really good money on this house. So we weren't necessarily in a rush. February, a month after we moved, he tells me that he has decided he's going to stay in Miami for the next three to four years to finish his union schooling. Part of being in the elevator industry and the union is that you have schooling to get past your apprenticeship to be a full elevator mechanic. So I asked him, I said, um, that is not what we discussed. Is there no elevator schooling here in Jacksonville? And he says, well, he goes, y'all didn't want to listen to me. I didn't want to move up there in the first place. Oh. But you and my dad decided you were going to go ahead and move. And I'm just letting you know that I'm not moving up there being a nobody. 
I'm going to finish my schooling down here. End of discussion. That's what I said. Oh, okay. So now again, he's trying to phrase things to make me seem crazy. Like there's whole discussions because I asked him, I said, we had whole discussions about moving and you made one comment about, well, maybe let's look closer down here. We looked in Broward. We looked in Homestead. We looked in Fort Lauderdale. We looked in Palm, you know, Palm Beach everywhere. What we could have, again, it was a matter of what we could afford versus what we could not. And if his plan was for me to still stay home, which it was, then we had to be very careful with our money. So we could not stay in South Florida. Jacksonville was the option. And that's what I told him. I'm like, we talked about this. Well, you just didn't want to listen to me. And I said, are you kidding me? I said, first of all, this did not happen overnight. I spent months going through the house, organizing, packing. I hired a moving company. How do you let your wife and children move without saying anything? Who does that? Again, it was all my fault. I wasn't listening. So at this point, I'm like, okay, this is, here we go. You know, he's having a meltdown because things have changed. In May of 2021, the house sold. We made enough money on that house to pay off all of our debt, pay off all of our cars, and still have more than enough to put the down payment and buy the house back from his father. We were in a really good position. He is now renting a studio for $1,300 a month, a 500 square foot studio, plus has all of his own bills, which averaged for as much money as he was making he was just blowing through it monthly, just just with the insistence he had to stay down there and he had to stay in a certain area and he didn't like this. And it was just this entitlement again of having to have the best. So that was a bone of contention. We went to Pennsylvania summer of 2021. We wanted to see Hershey Park. We wanted to visit the Amish. We wanted to go someplace we had never been before. So one of the things that changed when we moved up to Jacksonville He used to be a very I'm driving kind of person. Whenever we would do road trips, whenever we would do anything down in Miami, he would always drive. I didn't realize it at the time, but I made a comment to him one time, like, hey, how come I, you know, I'd like to drive sometimes. I get kind of bored sitting passenger, you know, and he, you know, he just kind of shrugged it off. Well, when we moved up here to Jacksonville, he said to me, he goes, yeah, you're driving from now on. I said, what? He goes, well, I drive six hours to come up here and I have to drive six hours back. You're driving everywhere from now on. So everything I was all week, like, you know, he was coming up every other weekend. His work week was Monday through Thursday. So he would have Friday, Saturday and Sunday off. He would come up Thursday night. And if we did anything, I now had to drive everywhere. You know, and I kind of, you know, at first I kind of chuckled about it. But then when we went on our trip to Pennsylvania, it was a long drive. And I finally looked at him like, are you not going to drive at all? Are you like, no, I told you you're driving. You guys decided you want to live in Jacksonville. I've already done my driving. I do my driving every other weekend. You're driving from now on. That's just this insistence of of the injustices that were done to him. We went up there. He didn't really want to come, you know, he didn't want to move in the first place. Now he's staying down South, but he still has to drive six hours. Oh, poor him. You know, and that was the thing too, before the house sold, He said to me, he's like, so you're coming down every other time, right? And I said, what are you talking about? I was like, that was never discussed about me coming back down to Miami every other weekend. 
And well, not just driving the kids, driving the kids and a dog. Basically, it would have to be when they got out of school on Friday, we would have to hit the road. We would get to his 500 square foot efficiency. And I'm sorry, that was my bitterness coming out a little bit. At first, it was the house, a completely empty house, except for the basics of a sofa, a TV and his bedroom he was sleeping in and drive Friday, get there at about midnight, have everybody overtired Saturday just to leave Sunday. So that was, yeah, no, no. He was quite upset when I was like, this makes no sense for me to drive with the kids and the dog every other week. Like it, it was an argument. It was a blow up. And so he was just very, very resentful of the fact that he had to make that drive every other week. And it was such a put out for him. We went to Pennsylvania that summer. I look at it as we had a great time. There was still the like the little snippets, the little meltdowns, the little comments, the you know, I was finding myself especially being given some space from him on a day-to-day basis that I was starting to see things differently that the red flags and the behaviors that I had just kind of shrugged at before and said, you know what, we'll work through it. It's part of marriage and things aren't always easy. You're going to have your ups and downs. You're learning somebody. We're really starting to catch my eye. And it was starting to catch my eye in not a positive way. I was definitely watching what I say when he would visit. I was resenting myself that I felt like I had to change every time he came around. Every weekend he was up, it was... Am I, did I plan the right thing for dinner? Was his steak cooked the right way? Is he going to be upset if it's that time of the month and I don't want to have sex? You know, it, it like, it was at those constant thoughts. But when he wasn't there, it was like, I just breathed easier. I didn't have to worry about watching my steps. I didn't have to worry about watching what I said. I could put whatever I wanted for dinner and everybody was happy just to eat. You know, it was just... It was, I started noticing those things. I also started standing out to me more his behaviors with the kids and how he treated the kids and talked to the kids. He would come up on the weekends and you would think, you know, he's not seeing his kids all the time. He always tells everybody, everybody. He was always so vocal about how much he loved his kids and how much he enjoyed being around them. But he would spend the weekend if he was, if he he would go and run errands of like grocery, sh- not, not necessarily groceries, but like he would go to Sam's to get like laundry detergent, things like that, that he needed for himself down in Miami. He would just take care of those errands up here, but then leave the kids home. And then he would spend the rest of the weekend on the couch, watching TV, staying up until three, four, five o'clock in the morning on his phone. That became his routine. I started to notice more how he was talking to the kids. There was less patience there. And maybe it wasn't even patience that was ever there, but it was just standing out to me now. I specifically remember one incident. We went bowling for my birthday. So now we're in about September of 2021. I was like, you know what? Let's go bowling. We'll all go bowling as a family. They're like, well, what do you want for dinner? I was like, I'm kind of in the mood for Thai food. So we're like, okay, we'll pick up pizza for the kids. We'll grab Thai food to go. We'll go bowling and then we'll come home. My father-in-law was in the car with us. He rode with us to go bowling. He was always involved with everything we were doing. Every time Austin was here for the weekend, you know, Randy would come over for dinner that night, you know, just to, just to be able to see his son as well. So, you know, he was still included and involved and everything like that. 
and we had gone bowling. So Randy was in the car. I had ordered the Thai food. I go into the restaurant. It was probably gone about 10 minutes. And I come out to the car and I open one of the doors to put the food in the back of the, it's the minivan. So it's got the sliding doors. And I look at our son who at the time was four years old, almost five. And he has a red handprint on his cheek. Oh, and I'm just like, so sorry. What happened? I'm thinking maybe one of his siblings like hit him. Somebody said, daddy hit him because he kept saying a sound or a word. He asked him not to. My heart just sank because he just smacked our son in the face. Like an adult man just smacked a kid and left a handprint because of something he was saying. Are you kidding me? It definitely hit me hard. And it was really the beginning of the end for me. You know, there had been, I had been getting senses. I had been just breathing up in Jacksonville where I felt like I hadn't been able to breathe down in Miami, just constantly being surrounded by him and being in the thick of it. Having the space to not be around him every day, like I said, was really making those, those things that weren't right stand out more. And that was a huge one for me. Huge. That's something I've heard from others, that it was one thing for it to be coming your way and you're dealing with it. Right. And trying to make sense out of it and, you know, whatever you can do to cope. But when you see it happen to a child, your child, or you see it happen to a pet, let's say, that's a game changer. Yeah. It's, It's like me sticking with that person means others now, the collateral damage is starting to happen. Well, and, you know, unfortunately, it was always one of those things that I had always put myself between him and the kids. So that if I saw he was getting upset or to that point, I would step in and no, I'll handle it. And I'd take them to the room and, you know, they'd be upset and crying. And I'd be like, do you want me to handle this? Or do you want daddy? I would put myself in between so that they would never have the brunt of it. And the fact that he did that while I was gone also got me questioning what else he was doing. What was he doing even back when I was working? Because the rest of the time I was there, like at this point, you know, with me staying at home, I'm around all the time, but it it got me thinking about everything else. Mm -hmm. In December of 2021, one of the things that we wanted to do once we sold the house was we wanted to take a huge family trip to Disney. And it had, it was Austin and I, our kids, his sister, her son, and Randy, his father. And we stayed on site. Like, it was like this big family trip that was, you know, supposed to be like, I had never, I never went to Disney as a kid. I never got to go. So it was even a first time trip for me, but it was a first time trip for the kids too. So there was just, you know, an air of excitement. Everybody's excited. He was coming from Miami to Orlando. I was coming from Jacksonville to Orlando. His sister had flown in. Like, we're going to have this great weekend. It was our youngest's birthday that weekend. So it's like celebration on top of celebration on top of celebration. And really the whole weekend, I felt like a maid. Uh I felt like everything that had to do with the kids was my responsibility. Getting back to the hotel and having their baths and getting them dressed and keeping the hotel room clean and doing things with them. We rented one of the wagons, one of the strollers 
you know, so that we had, we could have at least the two youngest when they got tired, something they could sit in. Well, I'm stuck pushing that with all of the, anything anybody wanted to buy got loaded with me. I was so disappointed because I was, there were things that I was looking forward to experiencing with the kids that was just so underplayed because I got pushed to the back of the line to take care of everything else while they went ahead and did all those things. Finally, it was to a point by Sunday, you know, I was kind of like, what's going on? Why are you leaving me with everything? It was one of those things. I think it was the Walt Disney museum that they have in there where you can go and you see his history. And then you go and you watch a little film at the end of it. And that's that. Well, I was interested. Of course, I had to park the stroller. They had all went ahead of me. I had to park the stroller. I had to make sure anything that I didn't want stolen, I was carrying. So I'm way behind, but I'm wanting to read about Walt and his journey and everything like that. They send one of the kids back to find me and I'm not even halfway through. Come on, hurry up. They're going to start the movie now. So I get rushed through it and I'm, you know, I'm disappointed. At this point, I am actively disappointed with the way that this trip is turning out. Of course. So Monday comes and we're getting ready to leave. And I go downstairs to check out, get our charges, make sure everything's correct. And I ask them about the bellhop service. You know, do we call down? How does this work to have somebody come get our bags? And they said, when you're ready, you can, you know, call us or you can send someone down and we will have somebody come to your room. So I said, okay. So I go back upstairs. Of course, he's not helping pack. Now I'm kind of to my boiling point. You know, nothing's been done. I'm getting a little snippy. I know I'm getting a little snippy at this point because he's just hanging out. We had uh, two rooms that connect. So now he's hanging out in his sister's room. Well, my room, nothing's been done. And I'm just like, I'm starting to pack. And, and his sister made the comment, I'm going to go ahead and go get a, a cart. And I said, no, you have to call down or go downstairs to have a bellhop. And she says, well, that's not what they told me Friday. They said, we could just come and get a cart. I said, I just spoke to them. Like her and I were kind of butting heads a little bit. I just spoke to them. Like I literally just talked to them. And they said, these were our two options. I don't care what they said Friday. This is what I was just told now, you know? And he jumped in and says, screamed at me loud in front of everybody. You don't talk to my sister like that. Just this huge bellow in front of everybody. Everybody just kind of stopped and looked at him like, what the heck? Where did that come from? It was the beginning of the end. It was the beginning of the end. He didn't speak to me for the rest of the day. He went back down to Miami. He wasn't calling me. Now he would, he would talk to the kids every day. He would video chat with the kids every day. That was a part of our routine. But I would get on the phone with him to talk to him and he would just cut the conversation short and hang up. Mm-hmm. So we went through the holidays like this. I tried to communicate with him about gifts, everything. And there was just no communication. He asked me in January of 2022, he says, one of the job sites we're going to does a full background check. He had been arrested in 2004 for a DUI. You know, I knew about it. So he was like, hey, can you do me a favor? Will you go in the file folder? And just, I need the specific information for that. And of course the chart, you know, charges had been dropped, whatever with that. So he had always been upfront with it. So I never thought anything of it. So I went in the file folder and pulled out a packet of paper. It was restraining orders. 
Oh, there was more in there than uh, that. I found the initial paperwork that's filed for restraining orders, for two separate restraining orders that I knew nothing about. So, you know, I get him the information I need and I start reading these restraining orders. One of them was someone that he had been in a relationship. Both of these were when he was in his early 20s. One girl, he had actually been actively dating and had lived with. The relationship was ending. She was claiming that he had gotten physically violent with her, was now harassing her. And reading the things that she wrote, the things that she described, it was him. It was him. You know, when she made a comment about how he ground his forehead into her forehead, you know, just this this pushing his head into hers to try to dominate her, I was like, oh my gosh, I know he did this. This, there is, this is him. This is a side of him that I've seen. So then I read the second one. And the second one was apparently someone he had known for a while that he had dated casually. And when she decided she wanted to just be friends, now her version is that they had just casually dated. They had never slept together. There was never crossed that line. But when she decided, hey, this isn't what I'm looking for. I just want to be friends. He started stalking her. Uh, okay. He would drive by her house. She lived in Hollywood. He lived in Miami. He would have to drive 40 minutes out of his way to drive by her house, calling her hundreds of times, leaving voicemails. You know, she just wanted it to stop. She had witnesses. She had friends. She had a friend over one time when he's calling her, who have you got there? And watched him drive by. Like, it was, it was bad. When I read the stalking one, there was always a part of me that knew it wasn't going to be pretty if I ever decided to end it. That he had shown me enough, that I had enough of a fear of him, just for, based on our relationship, that he would always try, be that person that tried to make things as difficult as possible. And it was at that time that I knew I needed to start being smart about how I wanted to separate from him because I knew it needed to happen. I saw how he was treating our children. In fact, another incident happened that I'll go back to right now since I've just remembered it and continue from that in just a moment. The kids got bikes for Christmas. Christmas of 2021, they got new bikes. But the catch with the bikes was it was a letter from Santa that said, hey, you all have new bikes, but I didn't know what kind of bike you wanted. So I want you to go with your mom and your dad to pick out a new bike on me. So we found the two younger ones bikes very easily. And we had gone to Walmart to go look at their bikes. I had the younger ones with me. The two older ones went with him and his father to the bike section. I think I was looking, I needed a new pair of sneakers or something. I had gone was doing my thing. When I got to the bike section, our son is riding a bike around. He's excited. He found his bike right away. Our oldest daughter's having a little bit of a hard time. You know, she just really wasn't finding anything that that she liked. Part of our whole conversation on the way to the store, he was very, very clear about, hey, this is your gift from Santa. You find what you like. Even if you don't find it in this store, we can go to other stores. It's not a big deal. We want you to find the bike that you want. Like really having what I thought was a good conversation in the car on the way there with the kids. In the store, she's being very indecisive. I don't know. You know, I could tell just at a glance, nothing was really catching her eye. 
but I could also tell that he was just becoming frustrated with it. All of a sudden, he gets in her face and screams in her face in the middle of the store, just hurry up and pick a bike, screaming at our daughter, our 10-year-old daughter in her face after you literally just told her we could go other places. She didn't have to decide on something now. Now you're in her face, screaming in her face. It's just, it was becoming more and more obvious that I I couldn't, I couldn't have my kids being raised in this kind of environment. I couldn't have my daughter thinking that it was okay to have a man screaming in her face in the yeah. middle of a store. Just terrorizing her. Yeah. It just, yeah. So that was part of that downhill slide. All of that, all of that, the, me having the space from him, me really seeing how he was treating our children, talking to our children. And then on top of that, finding the other injunctions, and I can't say what became of them. It was just the initial serving injunctions. He had told me in the past when we had first started dating, being that open, honest guy that, yeah, he had a problem with the girl he lived with and actually had to go to Ohio for three months because the judge wanted things to calm down. And I'm thinking, okay, yeah, he's being a good guy. He's telling me how he's being upfront with me. Why do, why would I question it? You know, and just really seeing like, there's this person that everything that he has told me was a lie, was, was just even the mask that he had on when we first started dating and pulling everything together. Was that even real? And I knew that it was to a point it, it had to end. It had to stop. Like I needed, not just for my sake, but for my children's sake, to be separated from him so that they could have safety. Even if that safety was with me full-time and him on the weekends, just have it where they knew they had a safe space. It wasn't just this jumbled mess all up in the air. So March 1st of 2022, our son had surgery to have his adenoids removed. He'd been having some sinus issues. So minor surgery, but first surgery for any of our kids. So him and I are there. His dad is staying with the other kids that weren't in school. While our son is having surgery, we're in the waiting room and keep in mind, he's still not, he's still not communicating with me. He his communication with me had completely shut down after our trip in December. We all had COVID in January. Didn't check on me once. Do you need groceries? Nope. It's just, okay, well, I'll wait another week to come up. <laughs> like, so it had become very distant. He said to me, he goes, just so you know, I've already had this conversation with my father, but I'm just letting you know. I'm not buying the house back from him and I'm not buying anything up here in North Florida. No, no lead up. No, let's have a conversation when we get home. Nothing. He felt the time and place to do that was while our son was having surgery. What better time? Yeah. So I'm just in shock. My anxiety, I had been noticing more and more my anxiety was coming out and I just felt my heart rate increase. I broke out into a cold sweat and I'm like, I need to go to the bathroom. I need to just step away from him. This is not the time and a place to have this kind of conversation. I'm, I know I'm in shock because obviously I wasn't expecting this. You know, and I go to the bathroom and I come back and I'm thinking he's going to say something else. You know, some, some, hey, let's talk about this later. Let's, I want to finish this conversation as it is. Nothing, nothing. The rest of the day, he acts like nothing. That night, he acts like nothing. The next morning, I take our son to the follow-up appointment and he leaves like nothing. Time to go. It's never been brought up again. 
So I'm like, okay, yeah, no, no, we're, we're, yeah, it's something is, I, I knew at that point something was going to happen. He was either A, going to try to force us to move back to Miami. I was starting to see that by him being so agreeable to us moving to Jacksonville, that it was a control tactic for him to isolate me more, but it, it didn't really work because it wasn't my friends and family up here. It was his. It hadn't really worked because everybody was super friendly towards me. It wasn't just, oh, here's Austin's wife. They were, they were very friendly to me and the kids. I'm thinking to myself, he's going to do one of two things. He's either going to try to force us to move back to Miami or he's going to take all of our money, pull it out of the account and just leave, leave. And, and what made me think of that is when he said, I am not buying the house back from my father and I am not buying. There was this possession over the money. So I said, okay, I, I, need, to, I need to get the ball rolling here. I've got to figure out something and fast. Well, the same time he left, I had already started feeling uncomfortable in the house one of the things that I had here was a gun. Now, I had never used it. It was just here. We had it back in Miami in the house for safety. It had come up with me because I was here by myself all the time. He said, look, I want you to have it here for your safety for, you know, it's just you and the kids here. And it had never been touched. Well, with his behavior and how distant he'd become and just the uneasiness I was having with him, I had already had it in my head that I was going to give his father the gun to get it out of the house. I had just seen that gun right before he came. And I went to go get the gun to go ahead and give it to his father, especially in light of everything he had just told me. And it was gone. It was gone. It was gone. I had just seen it two days before and it was gone. Oh. And I'm, I'm panicking. I'm going, I called my sister-in-law. I said, Christina, I'm trying, like, I'm looking through my, kids rooms i'm thinking one of two things he either took it or one of the kids found it and i really didn't think the kids found it but i'm still going through the motions of lifting the beds looking in the closets looking in drawers you know just freaking out and i called my sister-in-law i said i'm kind of freaking out right now he took the gun he didn't say anything she's like are you sure it's not in the house she's like barb she's like just text him just text him and just make sure he took it. That's a big deal. So I text him and he says, yeah, he goes, I took it. I said, well, why would you take it? He says, well, my best friend and I are going to go to the gun range and I just wanted, I wanted to have it. I said, doesn't your friend have extra guns? Wouldn't the gun range have a gun you could use? And he's like, well, yeah, but I wanted to hold my own gun. Red flags are all over this. I'm like, something is not right. That day that he left, on top of all of this, I opened up a bank account in just my name, an online bank in just my name. And I wrote a check from our joint checking account for $40,000, half of our savings. In fact, less than half, because I knew we still had bills coming out. So I took all of that into consideration and divided the account in half. And I pulled that money out. I pulled that money out to make sure that if his plan was to try to force us to move to Miami, I was financially secure. If his plan was to just take the money out of the account and run, I was still protected. But it was just getting past those couple of days for that check to clear to make sure that that money was okay. I got a call the day after that happened from my phone carrier, T 
T-Mobile had just started a program. They have something called Family Link, and it's when you have a cell phone for a minor child. Our daughter had just gotten a cell phone for her birthday that past December, and they said, look, we're running this new program. It's called Family Wear. What it is, is you're able to track all of the cell phones under your account. You're the primary account holder, so only you have access to see where the phones are, but because you have an account with a minor on it, we're going to offer you this service free for the first 90 days. But you'll be able to see every, she, they said, because I asked, I said, well, would it just show her? And they said, no, it's everybody that's under your account. You'll be able to see everyone. Oh. So I said, okay, sounds good. So now I'm feeling a little more protected. I can see where he's at. And it just started, you know, and, and, and I was just like, man, okay, Friday comes, the check cleared Thursday night. That check cleared in two days. I don't think I've ever seen a check clear that fast. I got the notification that the check cleared. The money was taken out of our joint account. I could see it in my new account. I, of course, didn't have access to it because of the amount for something like 12 or 15 business days, just to make sure there were no issues. He started texting me. Friday morning, I had seen that he went out Thursday night drinking, you know, he went to the local watering holes and had been out. And then it was after I saw that, that I saw the money had come out. And I'm like, okay, I'm in for it. You know, like, I don't, you know, I don't know exactly what's coming, but he's definitely not going to be happy seeing that, you know, I was figuring, I knew he'd be upset. I knew he'd be upset, but I was still under the hope because he had just been there for our son's surgery, and he had just been there the weekend before. He wasn't supposed to be back until March 18th when they had tickets to the Monster Truck Show. So there was several weeks he wasn't supposed to be back. Hmm. So even if he didn't come up that weekend, take a week to cool off, we'll talk. No, he started texting me at like 10 o'clock that morning. Where's the money? Did you take money out of the account? You better put that money back. You know, it was just calling me names, calling me a pig. I'm a thief. I stole his money. And I didn't respond very often because I could see where it was going and I wasn't going to get pulled into it. He called me. And this is now like four o'clock in the afternoon. He'd also been calling me all day. I wasn't taking the calls. I had just sent him a text that said, I'm not a thief when it's a joint account and that is our money. I will talk to you about this later when you're calmer. This concludes part two of Barbara Walker's story. Look for part three on the When Dating Hurts podcast. Thank you for listening to the When Dating Hurts podcast. We have been steadily moving up in podcast review rankings based on downloads in the relationships category. That means more and more listeners are getting the kind of advice that can improve lives for victims, survivors, and their families. If you feel we need to hear your story, do not hesitate to email me at billmitchell at whendatinghurts.com. That's billmitchell at whendatinghurts.com. Mm-hmm.